hooped. Like, I, I would watch Magic play. I'd watch Michael play. And I would see them do these unbelievable things. And I'd say, you know, can I get to that level? I don't know, but let's find out. What's going on, everybody? It's hard to believe, but we are in the NBA Finals. Starting Wednesday night, September 30th, we will see the Los Angeles Lakers take on the Miami Heat. And what is an interesting matchup? I am here with my co-host, Andrew George. Andrew, I know you're pumped for these finals. Very, very excited. Um, before we hop into it, I, I got to shout out Boston and Denver. I mean... This has been one of the craziest postseasons we've ever seen, really. I mean, nothing ever, nothing really has ever been like this before at the bubble and the amount of performances that we've seen that have just been really historical. So I'll start with Boston real quick. I mean, what we saw with them against Miami, one of the best young duos in the league that, um, in my mind, has potential to win a title in the near future, I think. Um, I don't think that's an overstatement. I think if they stay together, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I mean, Tatum's 22 years old, and I would argue is the best two-way young star in the league under 25. Um, I say two-way because what Luka's done is undeniably great, but um, defensively, I mean, the way Tatum has kind of evolved is pretty crazy. Uh, and then Jalen Brown, 23 years old, um, from a firm believer, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. I think offensively he's going to grow. And then with Denver, too, we talk about young studs. Um, Jokic is 25, Jamal Murray. Um, he's under 25 because I uh, put him on my list when I was doing the best under 25, but I'm not sure what exactly his age is, but I mean, Denver blessed us with really one of the best postseason runs ever. Um, Murray, Jokic doing what they do, but um, the West is going to be crazy to watch next year too. I mean, Doc Rivers just got out of LA. Um, not sure if we're going to touch on that, but uh, that was not really too unexpected, but uh, still, it's going to be weird not to see him there. Golden State's coming back, the Lakers, Nuggets. I mean, a lot of, a lot of excitement going on right now. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, to touch on those two teams, um, a lot of young talent, definitely some good young cores. So I think they've each taken a next step in their development. Obviously, now they'll have to take another to reach uh, the point that the Lakers and Heat are at right now. But definitely two teams to watch uh, for in the future. So before we get into things, we do have a special guest on today. It is your brother, Andrew Peter George. Peter, how are we doing? Thanks for coming on, man. Well, Mike, thank you for having me. Andrew, thank you guys for having me. You guys did a great job with the last uh, MLB playoff preview episode, and uh, hopefully, you know, Cleveland can get a victory tonight. Absolutely. We got Shane Bieber on the bump, so I definitely think the odds are in our favor. But before we get into this upcoming series with the Heat and the Lakers, I want to start with, we'll start on the West with the Lakers. Um, And I'll start with you, Peter. What have they done in the first three rounds of the playoffs that have gotten them to this point? Because it wasn't an easy road um, out of the gate with Portland. So what have they done that's gotten them to this point that's impressed you? Well, there's a guy on the team named LeBron. I think he's from Akron. Uh, he's, he's kind of a big deal at the moment. Um, he used to play football, didn't he? Yeah, he played football at St. Louis and St. Mary. Hell of a yeah, player. Yeah, good good oh, football player. Good guy. But, uh, <laughs> no, obviously, you know, LeBron has been the leader of that team. But not only LeBron, I'd say Anthony Davis has really been, I'd say, you know, you can argue that he's been better than LeBron in the playoffs. Um, I think the most interesting thing is LeBron's playoff minutes. 
Uh, he's averaging 35 minutes a game in the playoffs. That's the lowest in his career. So in a way, he's been able to stay fresh. Vogel's been able to kind of keep him fresh. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. AD's picking up a lot of weight. You have Dwight Howard, who's just been a renaissance. Um, you know, playoff Rondo is playoff Rondo. And then, uh, no, I mean, it's just an overall great team that was crafted by Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka. And, uh, no, they've just been great. You know, obviously, Moses Malone said fo 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 For the Lakers, it's been fi 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 So, hopefully the Lakers can pull out and uh, LeBron can get another room and LA can be a champion again. What about you, Andrew? What have you seen from them to this point that's gotten them to uh, the finals? Before I get into that, Peter just brought up Rob Palenka. I mean, the Lakers have been so good that everyone just really forgot about like how all those crazy storylines of him at the beginning uh, before the year started. Uh, all the different stories of what he would tell like players he's representing. So just gonna throw that out there. Um, yeah, who knows Rob Palenka? He looks like Rob Lowe too, by the way. But just gonna throw that out there. But no, I mean the Lakers. Um, I mean Peter kind of hit it on the uh, hit it on the head right there. I mean they have. Two top five talents in the league. Um, Anthony Davis, seven feet tall, can take you out in the wing, do whatever you want. Uh, runner up to Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, he could have easily been Defensive Player of the Year. Um, no, no disrespect to Giannis, definitely earned that. But I mean, LeBron James is. I mean, he's one of the greatest players that ever play really any sport, um, which is crazy to say out loud because normally you say that you're like, oh, it's probably over exaggerating. Like, no, that is. That is completely what he is. He's 35, and he's he's so clearly still the best player in the league. Like, it's really not even close. No matter how much everyone wanted to try to crown Kawhi um, last year, not I mean, no disrespect to what he did in Toronto. It was great, but, I mean, there's always been such a big gap. Uh, when people try to say Curry was the king of the league uh, during 2014-2015, uh, around that kind of that span, it's always been LeBron. That's what it's always been about, so... Um, and then obviously we'll, 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 we're going to do a little bit later while, once we get into the breakdown, but, um, no, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll save that for a little bit later. And then I'll shift it back to you, Peter, with this, um, the Lakers were, them and the Clippers were the two favorites out of the West to make the finals. Obviously the Clippers didn't make the Western conference finals, but at the beginning of the postseason, I don't think anyone would have been shocked to have seen either of those two teams there. Miami, on the other hand, is a completely different story. They came into the postseason as a five seed um, and have just absolutely surpassed expectations. I mean, the reality of it, too, is most of these series haven't been close. They won 5-1 in the first two rounds, and they were up 3-1 against Boston, albeit a lot of those games were close. Um, but the series itself, I mean, they took a commanding 3-1 lead to start that out, so... What have you seen from this Miami team, Peter, that outside of Jimmy Butler, I mean, they're a young squad uh, over there with Eric Spolstra that has gotten to them to this point. No, and you made an excellent point, Mike. Nobody really predicted Miami to get this far, except for maybe Jimmy Butler. (laughs) And Spolstra and and Pat Riley and that entire organization has just done a tremendous job of getting, you know, everyone from the players, coaches, training staff. They buy into the Pat Riley culture, you know, like him or hate him, he knows how to win. And Miami's got an amazing opportunity here to become the second team in the last 18 years to beat two number one seeds in the playoffs. That's crazy. Now, do you guys want to guess who the other team was? Uh, talking about the last team to do it, to beat to be two number one seeds in the, in the NBA playoffs. Give me the year. And, like, 
Like, yeah, what? If I give you the year, I'll give oh, you the conference? What conference? Oh, uh, Eastern Conference team. Be two number one seeds. Cavs. No. Because the Cavs, I think the Cavs were number one. Talking about late in a full series? Yeah, um, just throughout the playoffs. Yeah, like to be to um, like a one seed and one full series, and then and basically then, uh, win the title uh, coming out. Um, correct. Uh, we'll go with what seed was no Miami with Wade and Shaq. They were the one seed because that's when mm-hmm. Shaq got robbed of MVP. Um, oh, Boston when they won the title. Nope, not Boston. All right, we don't want to take up too much time. Right. We can be here all day. We, uh... Toronto last year. Oh, how did we not get that? That was last year. Oh, my gosh. They, they beat Milwaukee, and then they beat Golden State after um, that's right. and uh, Clay got hurt. Yeah, they were a two seed. That's Yeah, that's yeah. right. Everyone, I, I keep on thinking they were a one seed because um, the Magic got that one game. The Magic <laughs> the Magic against one seeds were like, just, know, they're the dream team. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Mike, to go back to what you were saying, obviously, you know, Jimmy Butler has been a stud. Goran Dragic has been unbelievable in the playoffs. He's really broken out. Um, you know, going back to me being a fan of him back when he was in Phoenix. Um, you know, he's just got a great all-around offensive attack. Can score inside, can score outside. He's actually been my only leading scorer as well. Mm-hmm. That has been incredible. And uh, you know, I actually I don't know if Danny Green and Rondo can keep up with him. No, that's that's an interesting point. Um, again, they've shocked us all. What have you seen from them, Andrew, that's gotten them to this point? So I, I really want to touch on Jimmy Butler some more. Um, there's very, very few guys in the league that deserve this more than him, this finals appearance. Uh, I've been a fan of his, a like, big fan, since his time in Minnesota when everyone, um, by everyone, I mean really just the media, uh, thought that he was the problem there. And there was all this uh, bad, bad teammate this, bad teammate that. Um, to quote Tyus Jones um, from, I think it was on Twitter a couple of days ago, he was, said something like, uh, said he's a uh, bad locker room, poised as bad locker room guy by people that aren't in the locker room. And I feel like we see that so much. And with Jimmy Butler, it's something I've always believed, just given his competitive nature, which is something that I've always drawn to in terms of my favorite players. But, uh, but I digress with that. And, I mean, he said it after Bo- they closed Boston. And I said, I'm not for everybody, but here I am. And, it goes back to what Peter said. He found that home in Miami because it's an organization from Pat Riley and Spolster at the top. And I, even their player development coaches too, which is something we've seen with Duncan Robinson, who I want to get to in a little bit. But they match that intensity, and that is what the basis of their success is on. And him as a leader is so unique because he's not he doesn't have to go out there and get you 25, 30 a game. Like Peter mentioned, Dragic, I think, is averaging uh, – a little bit above 20, uh, probably 22, 23, um, in, like across the playoffs. And and he's someone who has been underrated pretty much like his whole career, especially those years in Phoenix. Um, but the point being that Butler doesn't have to go out there and drop 20 or 30. It's his mentality that feeds, that the young guys feed off of. And, I mean, I was big on Miami preseason, but, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that I thought they are going to the finals. I mean, I thought maybe a second-round exit or something. They take like a Milwaukee to six or seven games, but the thing is, with guys like Tyler Hero, who I love, um, Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson in his second year, those guys, um, I don't know if they would be doing what they're doing right now if not in that organization with Butler as the leader, because he's the mental leader of that team, and he gives them the confidence 
all these guys are talented. They're, I mean, they're in the NBA. They're all um, top picks, except for Duncan Robinson, who's a little bit of a later, I think, second rounder. But they're all such talented players. It's a matter of who's going to go out and get theirs, which we've seen. Um, so that is, that is that's what stands out to me in terms of just watching them play throughout every series, really. Well, and I think to go back to that Jimmy Butler point, um, maybe he isn't for everyone, but it's crazy to me how those young guys, as you alluded to, have responded to his type of leadership. Um, it's just been really the perfect meshing along with Pat Riley, who I feel like him and Jimmy Butler are the same type of competitors. So I, it's definitely been fun to watch that dynamic with that group. Before we actually get into, I suppose, breaking down the series or the matchups or anything, I want to start with some storylines, and I know both of you have a few, but I want to start with this. LeBron is taking the Lakers to their first um, finals appearance since Kobe Bryant did, I believe, back in 2010. And he's going up against his former employer, that of the Miami Heat, and Pat Riley, who um, clearly was not too happy when he decided to leave and come back to Cleveland several years ago. So I'll start with that, and I'll turn it back to you, Peter. I mean... It's kind of crazy to think that he's playing the Heat with the Lakers now, is it not? And, I mean, Pat Riley also coached the Lakers back in the day with Magic, too. So there's a lot of interconnections between both of these franchises. You're absolutely right. Two warm-weather cities, great tourist attraction cities. <laughs> um, I would love to be in both of them right now, honestly. Um, but I don't think LeBron needs any more bulletin board material, but... LeBron, I feel like, has a really good memory. So I think, uh, you know, he's not going to forget what Pat Riley told him, you know, before he went back to Cleveland. Um, you know, I don't think he's forgiven him. I know I was reading something from Brian Windhurst, and Riley texted LeBron after the Cavs won in 2016. LeBron didn't even bother to reply to his text. So I'm sure LeBron's still kind of ticked off at what Riley said, whatever it was. But, um, no, these are two of the best organizations, a lot of interesting connections, and even just another fun connection. You know, the bubble's in Orlando. Dwight Howard was a legendary player for the Orlando Magic, so in a way, he's able to hopefully win his first ring in the city that he became a Hall of Fame player. No, that's a, that's a good point. I didn't even really think about the Dwight and Orlando factor um, with the bubble, but uh, wouldn't it be something if the Magic somehow made it out of the East? <laughs> But no, I think with the Pat Riley factor, I mean, there's just so many. This one makes the series. I mean, there there's not not really any bad matchup scenarios with the last. That's why I love watching the conference finals because I mean, obviously I'm a Nuggets fan. Um, I love LeBron, but what he from his time in Cleveland and especially what he does off the court, the, the dude just one of the greatest athletes ever. Um, and Boston, if there was an LA Boston matchup, I mean. There's that for you. There's, and then now we have the Miami LA. And then with this Pat Riley storyline, I mean, in addition to what Peter said with that, I mean, he did say that LeBron left a potential dynasty to go to Cleveland. Um, uh, take that for uh, what it is, I guess, with an aging D Wade. And um, sadly, we were having with Chris Bosch, a uh, career cut short. But um, I guess I'll take that, at, I guess, at surface level. But, um, and then. With Riley, too, I mean, his years with the Showtime Lakers, I mean, to now, I mean, there's all these connections that are just between the teams, which is just crazy. And then and there's very few people that are as competitive as him, and he's 75 years old. Um, yeah. So, 
No, that that it's gonna be cool to see whenever I know TNT and well, no, not TNT, ESPN. Uh, I'm pretty sure they'll have the finals and uh, to see them cut to Riley um, in, in like the press box, uh, different things and. I don't know, it, it'll just, it, it just enhances the excitement for the whole series. And, and to go off what you said really quick, you know, thinking about how different a Miami team looks, there's only one player left from the LeBron era, that's Udonis Haslam. Udonis Haslam. <laughs> who, he's like 104 years old, he's still, still collecting checks, man. Yeah, he's hey, he's still really good for him. Um, yeah. As an undrafted player, too. What a beast. But, um, so he's the only one left from that era, and I think the biggest connection no one's mentioning is Deion Waiters. Deion Waiters, yeah. Phil's <laughs> <laughs> getting his ring, finally. Yeah, that was his plan all along when he took those edibles in the plane. <laughs> his plan was to get uh, two rings. He knew, he knew what he was doing. We laugh while Dion just... Dion's playing chess and we're playing checkers. So... <laughs> Might yeah. I throw out, too, that J.R. Smith will be... Maybe not playing this series, but he will be there, which is always interesting. Um, what are some of the storylines, though, from both of you that catch your eye? And I'll start with you, Peter. I think it's interesting because usually when you look at how LeBron's teams have been constructed, you know, you get a lot of guys who could shoot three-pointers and play defense. That's not what LA is. I mean, we've got Danny Green, and that's really about it in terms of, like, elite shooters. Um, KCP, um, just kidding. Well, okay, he's on a good He's leading the team in three-point percentage. We'll, yeah. that, but. well, KCP and Danny Green, uh, but no, if you look at that compared to Miami's team, you've got, you know, Duncan Robinson... Tyler Hero, who I know Andrew's a huge fan of, uh, Dragic, Jay Crowder, uh, Iguodala can make it every now and then, Jimmy can make it every now and then, and um, you know, really it's just a matter of, you know, can LA slow down Miami shooting? No, I think I think that's a really interesting one. What about you, Andrew? Uh, well, we hit on Pat Riley. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about Eric Spolstra in terms of me and the guy who was with LeBron when he learned how to win. But, I mean, how about the coach on the other side, Frank Vogel? I mean, this dude's finally reaching the finals. Um, and it's just, it, I think people quickly forget how great those Pacers teams were from 2012 to 2014. Uh, people, you definitely forget Paul George because of all the playoff P memes, which, uh, yeah, I mean, those are kind of funny, but still, like, uh, I mean, the dude was very close to... Um, coming out of the East with that squad with Roy Hibbert, um, Lance Stevenson, he was a perennial six-man-of-the-year candidate, like all George Hill, all those boys. So, I mean, Frank Vogel, and it's just funny because what stopped him from getting to the finals is what is getting him to the finals now, which is LeBron James, um, which is insane. I mean, that's back-to-back years Indiana missed, um, missed the finals, and it was because of LeBron. And six years later, here we are. Frank Vogel is getting his shot at a title with LeBron. If you can't beat him, join him. Uh, so, I mean, I think that is crazy. And then, I mean, with LeBron, we, we got to talk about it. I mean, his quest for a fourth ring. Uh, what does that do for his legacy if he wins? The, already only the fourth player in NBA history to reach the finals ten times, which is just crazy, especially in this era. I mean, the multiple eras that he's played in. Uh, and he would become the third player ever to win a title with three different teams. Robert Ory and John Sally are the only other two. Um, it's really simple. Wherever he goes, greatness follows. So, I mean, LeBron, LeBron himself is just super interesting. I mean, he's going up against the franchise where he learned how to first win, and it would just become in full circle if he gets that number four um, 
against a team that has banners in their arena right now because of him. I mean, think about that. It's it's all it's all coming full circle. So I think it's crazy to see. I mean, you mentioned Frank Vogel too. How much of an impact do you think he has though? Because obviously, on LeBron-led teams, um, he is in some ways a coach on the court as well as a player. So what do you think that dynamic has been like? Because um, LeBron has struggled to trust coaches early in his tenures with them. It seems like him and Frank Vogel have meshed. Him, AD, and Frank Vogel, I should probably say. seems like they've meshed since day one. Yeah, I mean, um, when you're coaching LeBron, just, I mean, he's one of the smartest players ever play. He's a coach on the court and off the court for his teammates. Uh, you just got to don't F it up, pretty much. Uh don't don't Mike Brown it. Don't um. Not, I'm not gonna say David Blatt because he was never the right coach for that team. He he needed to be with the younger talent. Um, but you just gotta not just don't screw it up. And uh, with this Lakers team, which I want to get into once we uh, hit the matchups and what to look for is LeBron's not the only um, guy with Finals experience. Uh, and in terms of that knowledge of the game, I mean that's what makes them so special. You have Rondo. Uh, who I'll definitely talk about, Dwight Howard, Peter mentioned. Uh, so he, he brings what they need, um, especially with they do have some of those younger guys with uh, Caruso. Um, I mean, in terms of anyone else who gets playing time, uh, they're all kind of rather experienced, I would say. So, um, no, he's doing he's doing what he needs to is, is the point I'm getting at. No, for sure. Um, and I think it's been interesting to see how that's worked out for them. And it's, it's cool that it's worked out since day one because – even with Spolstra and Miami, it took a little while for LeBron to gain his trust. I, I do think Jason Kidd also being on the sidelines probably helps with that. But uh, I digress. So as we continue on with this series, um, before we get into the meteor details of it, I should say, what are some matchups that intrigue you guys in this series? Because I would argue both teams are pretty physical in the paint. Both have some good three-point shooters. I would probably give the edge to Miami. And then obviously you have an experienced team versus an inexperienced team. So what are some individual player matchups that both of you are looking at? Well, I think the main thing, and Andrew's probably going to agree, and Mike, you would probably agree as well, it's Anthony Davis versus Bam Adebayo. Look at Anthony Davis' first three matchups in the playoffs against big guys. They were either undersized with, like, what was he, a 6'5", P.J. Tucker? Yeah, 6'5", P.J. Tucker. Um, I mean, Jer- Jeremy Grant... Gave him uh, a little bit of a run for his money, but I mean, the dude was switching off of AD mm-hmm. and LeBron the entire game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to do that for um, playing 25, 30 plus minutes, which he was doing mm-hmm. for Denver. So, uh, and then round one, I mean, Portland had nobody. Yeah, Nurkic. Nurkic. Yeah, you get Nurkic out on the perimeter, and he's going to have a field day with him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, honestly, to go off what Andrew was saying, you know, all of the guys that AD matched up against were ever undersized or too slow. Sorry about Jokic, but he is too slow. No, that's all right. He doesn't run. He, he's patient. He's, he's okay. <laughs> Patience is a good word to put it. But, um, you know, Bam is neither too slow nor is he undersized. So that is the toughest matchup for AD. I have no idea how that's going to go. Um, it's, it's really, it could go neck and neck in that. And I'll kind of go off of that, Peter, um, because I, I have kind of an interesting take, I feel like, with the BAM AD thing, because, like you mentioned, this is by far the uh, most difficult test for AD in the postseason uh, and the versatility that he brings. Uh, when you get that high screen and roll going with, um, whether it's AD and LeBron or AD and Rondo, I mean, BAM's not even Bam's not afraid to switch onto a guard, too. We saw that with Boston a little bit, too. I mean, ideally, you, you want to keep him on AD. 
uh, during the course of the play, but it's going to work both ways, though, too. I mean, Bam, in terms of what he's going to have to do with, with AD, uh, he hasn't, I would argue, he hasn't really seen that because you see in Milwaukee, he was on Giannis, but Giannis doesn't pose that spacing threat that AD does once he gets going from three. Um, and that was the whole thing with Miami, Milwaukee, is we're going we're gonna to dare Giannis to shoot, and once he shoots, like how he's always shot, um, we're going to trap him, and then we're going to make the other guys beat us. Um, you don't have that luxury with AD. So I think that'll be interesting, but I with that AD and Bam thing is you have to think too, and this is something I'll dive more into when I talk about the Lakers, but with their two seven-footers with Dwight and JaVale, I mean, Dwight was a huge part of that Nuggets series in terms of his physicality. Outside of Bam, because Kelly Olenek's minutes are down, um, even if he's in there, he won't do much except for try to rip people's arms out. Um, but with with that physicality thing, if you're getting killed on the boards and Bam, you need Bam to switch back onto like a Dwight or a JaVale, uh, I mean, Jay Crowder, it's going to be your time to try to step up against Anthony Davis. And like we've seen with Jeremy Grant and with um, in Portland, uh, I mean, they, they try to put uh, Norwich on him and sometimes Carmelo. I mean, we know how that story is going to go with AD. So it depend- that's, what I'm, that's what I want to know. I want to know what is Spolster going to do if they start to get killed on the boards. Because you can't, you can't have Bam always drawn out, you're going to need him down low to kind of bang with um, Dwight and JaVale. So I think that that is a huge, huge matchup. I think, too, an interesting matchup. Well, I guess I'd rather pose this as a question to both of you. How often do you expect to see Jimmy Butler on LeBron? You want to take a period? You You can go. So... I'm envisioning the two primary defenders on LeBron. Um, obviously, Jimmy and then Jay Crowder, but it goes back to that um, goes back to that thing with how they're gonna. I think Anthony Davis is more of a priority for them right now, um, simply because Jimmy can be that primary guy in LeBron, uh, and he was that primary guy in Jason Tatum. Although Tatum did just did, Tatum did have some he he had, he had some games uh, last series, but. Uh, with with that being said, though, I mean you'll see t- you'll see Butler, you see Crowder. I think guarding LeBron is going to be a, kind of a lot of a mental ch- a mental challenge. If this makes sense, with having Andre Iguodala, who I actually have as one of my X factors because uh, he's had that assignment in Golden State for um, last several years guarding LeBron, and uh, he's done a serviceable job, uh, especially in that one year when Kyrie and Love were out. So, I mean, LeBron, LeBron still averaged like a triple-double, but he contained him to what he needed to do. So I think having Iggy's knowledge combined with Butler and Crowder switching off him is um, going to be a good approach for them to take. And to go off what Andrew was saying, I'm just looking at some stats right now. LeBron's responsible for nearly half of LA's 610 restricted uh, points. So points in the restricted area. And LA has averaged about 41 points per game in the restricted area during the playoffs, which is seven and a half more than any other playoff team. So you get LeBron's in the paint, in the paint, game over. Um, you know, LA, you know, LA themselves, they just ranked first in field goal percentage in the restricted area, about 71%. And then percentage of their shots that came in the restricted area is 34% of their shots. So they're going to they're try to beat you down low, LeBron obviously has been one of the best slashers, one of the best attackers in NBA history by far. And um, and like I said earlier, he's well-rested. This is the lowest amount of minutes per game he's played in his playoff history. 
So, you know, I like what Andrew said. It is going to be more of a mental challenge. Um, Iguodell and LeBron have some history going back to uh, the 2016 finals. Jay Crowder, he's he's solid. I don't know, but LeBron's LeBron. Um, what's the guy named for Miami? Solomon. Solomon Hill, dude, if they put yeah. Solomon Hill on him, LeBron's going to average like 70. <laughs> so, I don't know why it is. <laughs> Solomon's even in the game. Well, that's a, that's a good point. Like, why why have we? I mean, when you get deep in the postseason, I was texting my buddy Evan about this. Um, he was saying he's like, why do you think um, we're not seeing Myers Leonard? Uh, we're not seeing Kendrick Nunn, um, the All Rookie First Team. Uh, we're not seeing Derek Jones Jr., who um, Mike, when we were in um, Miami and we saw them play Boston in the regular season, he was a guy who had some good minutes for him. And yeah. when you get when you get deeper in the uh, in the postseason, your rotation is naturally going to shrink. But uh, why? I just I am not sure why we're seeing Solomon Hill um, in the Boston series. Like he didn't play many minutes, but if anything, you would want to bring in like a Derek Jones with his length and try. I mean, you have that excitement, but no, that's yeah, that'll be it'll be interesting to see what what approach they take. No, I agree, but it is worth noting that won that series, so maybe Eric Spolscher knew. It's exactly what he was doing, but I don't think I've seen Solomon Hill in a game before that since, like, 2014. <laughs> Either way, do you guys have any more matchups that you find intriguing? Yeah, me too. I think Miami, sometimes, you know, your greatest opponent is yourself. And this is an interesting stat. Miami has lost 18 games where they've had a lead of 10 or more. That's the most in the NBA when you combine regular season and playoffs. They're like Atlanta Falcons of basketball, essentially. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think you'll see Miami get out to an early lead for a few of these games. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep it. I mean, they, they do have a track record of blowing leads. Um, obviously, LeBron has a track record of coming back, um, not just in an entire series, but throughout the course of the game. So, Honestly, I think Miami's biggest competition, you know, could be themselves, and hopefully Spolster can make those um, adjustments. And I agree, I think, um, for me, I think the number one issue that they need to correct, and if they want a chance at beating the Lakers, is they cannot get down by double digits early, because Mm -hmm. this was a really bad habit against Boston. Um, Yes, they ended up... uh, I mean, I ended up winning the series, uh, but those, like you mentioned at the very beginning, Mike, like those were really close games. And for a couple of them, Boston had like uh, 14, 15, even as big as like 16 point leads. And uh, they, they, they made those comebacks. But if you look, and this is why I said about the Denver LA series too, in our um, conference finals previews, Denver did the exact same thing with the Clippers. They would get down by uh, say like 10, 15, even as much as 20, I think it was in game five uh, back in uh, the uh, semis. And we saw them do that against LA, but, and they did make a little bit of a comeback in a couple of those games, but in the end it was the Lakers coming out on top because what separates LA and this is, this is exactly what LeBron does for this team and what he's done for all of his teams is with that LA offense, when they get that lead, they're going to push it and push it with their length. And they have two guys with godly vision in LeBron and Rondo. Um, and they have, like you said, they're not going to kill you from three like Miami. But they're going to, if they get a, if they get a little bit of a lead, they're going to push it until you can't go anymore. Um, they cannot let up. Uh, they got to bring it right from the get-go. Uh, this, is a, this is a different beast I think they're dealing with as opposed to Boston. No, I agree, and I think um, it ends up being that way as you advance each level in the playoffs. Um, 
I mean, obviously the teams get better. That's the way it works. But I would agree. I think the Lakers are just different than any opponent Miami would have had to face in the East, frankly, I think. But uh, with that, do we have anything else we want to add on before we get to our series predictions? Yeah, I, uh, I, I want to hit on some of these young guys in Miami. Um, and then, then we can get, we can get to uh, if Peter's got anything to add from Miami, and then we'll, we'll switch over to L.A. Um, for our predictions. But with, uh, with these young guys, I mean, Tyler Hero, Peter mentioned earlier, um, been a fan of his since his years at Whitnall High School. Jimmy Butler was rocking that uh, his high school jersey after he had that 37-point game, which I thought was sweet. I thought that was sweet that he just had that. Um, but uh, I mean, he probably ordered it. He's, he's in the NBA, so probably a lot of stuff. But uh, anyways, yeah, uh, he's 20 years old, 19 a game in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, everyone's favorite analyst, Paul Pierce, um, said that he was not a bucket. <laughs> um, yeah, Paul Pierce is doing what he's. Uh, I, I mean, it, it, it sucks. This is, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it sucks with Paul Pierce that he has to like say these things because it's detracting from how good of a player he was. But I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to get into the Paul Pierce tangent, but yeah, Tyler Hero, 19, 6, and 5, 52% from field goal range, playing 35 minutes a game, only trailing Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. Uh, only on Duncan Robinson a little bit, 41% from three. Uh, and then I mentioned it a little earlier in the podcast about the player development coaches from Miami. Duncan Robinson, as a rookie, struggled to see minutes on the floor because he was so shy at shooting. And his shooting coach told him, like, if you don't start pulling, like, it's coming off the screen, like, you got to just you gotta get a pull it if you have a good look. He's like, we're going to take you out. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, look at his minutes from last year to this year and how much he's improved. Uh, and when he starts pulling from three, four feet coming off the screens behind the three-point line, the offense just opens up into another dimension. And then lastly, uh, we talked about Bam. Uh, he's been the MVP of, I would argue, every series for Miami this postseason. He's been their X factor. He does it all on both ends. 22-11-5, um, a block a game, almost two steals a game against Boston. Um, and like I mentioned in the last episode, he is one of, I would say, three guys Maybe four, depending on how you classify Giannis um, as a four, if he starts playing that stretch fire for Milwaukee. But nevertheless, he's one of three guys, I would say, along with Jokic and AD, that at his size, they have the ability to run the offense through him at any moment. And that is what makes, I think, the dynamic of their, their offense really so special. You have anything to add, Peter? No, not really. You, you covered it pretty well. Sorry. <laughs> Um, uh, all right, so, uh, Peter, I'll swing it to you, actually, with L.A. Um, what do you, what do you, what are, what are your X factors for them? For L.A.? Yeah, in terms of, we've talked about... The, the Lakers or Clippers? The, 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 the Lakers, definitely <laughs> not the Clippers. Clippers are long gone. Yeah. Okay. The Ray, yeah, what do you think? What's your, what's, your, what's your take on Justin Herbert and the Chargers? <laughs> San Diego Chargers. San Diego Chargers. All right, go ahead. Uh, no, but honestly, for, for the Lakers, really, um... If, I kind of mentioned it earlier, if LeBron's able to score in the paint, great. He hasn't been a great shooter outside of the paint. Um, I think one of the biggest things, you know, one of the biggest ways Miami can win the series, turn LeBron into a jump shooter. And that's never been his strength throughout his career. Free throws, he's always been average. Free pointers, he's always been eh, average. You turn LeBron into a jump shooter, Miami's a legitimate chance to win the series. If you don't, eh, it was a fun run. No one thought you'd get that far anyways. Um, but no, I think maybe with L.A., you know, it's just going back to, you know, 
how are role players going to do? I mean, yeah, you know what you're going to get from AD. You know what you're going to get from LeBron. How's Kuzma going to do? How, honestly, I forgot about Kuzma until I just mentioned him. Um, <laughs> how's Rondo going to do? How's Dwight going to do? Danny Green, um, Caruso, who is obviously a fan favorite for so many reasons, but you know he's not a great shooter, so hopefully he can you know play well. Um, it's really just about the role players and you know those guys kind of stepping up. I think Heather's only got one other player averaging double figures or double digits besides LeBron and AD. I think that's Kuzma. I'm not entirely sure. It was it was actually K, it was KCP in the in the last year. No, yeah, it was close. I was looking at it last night. Um, Keep forgetting KCP. Yeah, and I, but he was pretty bad early on in the year, and then he's coming into what they thought he would be. But um, kind of going off what Peter said, uh, I mean, with LA, I think the biggest X factor is obviously Anthony Davis. Um, we know what we're going to get from him typically, but I would keep an eye on his ankle. I think it might have been his left ankle. I could be wrong, but. He tweaked his angle a couple different times um, when Water were closing out Denver, and uh, I mean, when this this late in the ser- this late in the season, um, I mean, everyone's probably dealing with a little something. But he's someone who's had that injury past, and that's something that's limited him uh, in years prior. So, and with Bam, he's going to need to be his best self. He's been the whole year. Uh, he needs to average at least twenty five while LeBron does his thing. Uh, I want to see him do a little more work on the boards. Uh, some of that was attributed. He only averaged, I think, six uh, in the series against Denver, and I think some of that was attributed to uh, Dwight and um, yeah, mainly Dwight's minutes because when he slid in for Javale, he was a force in the glass. But he's a top talent in this league. Uh, if he's healthy, I think we can expect him to be a little extra motivated, being this close to his first ring. So I think that. And then one last X factor, I gotta say, I know Mike, you're definitely hopping on this. Uh, Rajon Rondo, playoff oh, Rondo, yeah, bro. <laughs> National TV Rondo is a real thing. Uh, if he continues, continues to shoot 45% from mm-hmm. three, which is insane because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that was always his biggest weakness um, was shooting. I mean, he had some of that mid-range game, but he can never stretch it out. But if he's shooting 45% from three, and if he continues to pull up in rhythm, dude, god damn, it, it, it is going to be, like, impossible to beat L.A. because you have Rajon Rondo pulling up from three, like, in the rhythm of, like, the offense with two seconds off the shot clock. I mean... That's your least. That's your like. That's the last worry you have when you're playing against LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, and then I mean he had that defensive pressure. Him and Caruso and uh, Danny Green and even a little bit of KCP. What they're bringing is going to be something that uh, I think Dragic and Hero. I think they can handle it. Um, but it, it's not going to be like you're having Kemba guard you. Uh, like uh, like in the last series. So I would expect Dragic to be a little more challenged, and we'll see what happens. Quick question: Is Rondo a Hall of Famer? Hello, no, <laughs> no, it's. I mean, considering the basketball Hall of Fame really isn't that hard to get into. Um, <laughs> take that with a grain of salt, but like, if Yao Ming got in there. Rajon Rondo is a Hall of Famer. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Yao, Yao Ming. Um, okay, wait, that's that's a whole other conversation. Yes. But what I'll say about Yao is, before he got hurt, he had like six or seven like amazing years, and he was the only dude who could legit. Go up against Shaq. Thank um, you. Paint. Uh, so, and what Yao did for the sport in China uh, is huge in terms of that cultural aspect of. I think that's probably played why he got in. But um, I don't know. I mean, because the Rondo is an interesting thing because R- peak Rondo is insane. I mean, some of those stat lines that he had in Boston uh, against LeBron teams is really. Uh, I mean, it's crazy, but it's just a matter of his injury history and kind of. 
I mean, kind of inconsistency in moments, that little spurt in Chicago. So I, I, don't, I love Rondo. That, that, I don't know, that'd be a different podcast. I, I got to think about that a little more. Yeah, because as much as I like Rondo, he's bounced around. He played for Sacramento for a while, or for a season, played for Chicago, New Orleans, Dallas, obviously LA right now. And, you know, Pete Rondo in Boston is just unbelievable. So, yeah. It's a, it's a good conversation. But to play devil's advocate real quick with the uh, bouncing around too, I think if you just look at those teams that you mentioned, um, the stability factor with a lot of those, Sacramento, yeah. uh, we knew yeah. what that was with Boogie and everything. Uh, Chicago, when they tried to make it work with like no shooters at all, <laughs> it was like him, Wade, and I think Butler was on that team uh, before he developed more of his offensive game. But And then New Orleans would have been really special if Boogie didn't get hurt. They would have they would have challenged Golden State a little bit, um, and or if they could have moved up, I, I don't know who was the two and three seed that year, but I don't know. The, the the case is definitely can definitely be made for Rondo. I could be swayed either way. So, do you think Wade maybe planted some Miami seeds in Butler when they were teammates? That's a good point. Hmm, Mike, what do you think? His approach, Peter, or just making that a reality that he went to Miami. I wouldn't say making a reality, but maybe, you know, when Jimmy and uh, Dwayne were talking first names, like, like I'm best friends with these guys. Um, <laughs> when we were, when we, like, I mean, I'm sure he mentioned that he had great times playing in Miami and stuff. Because, listen, I love Chicago. It's a beautiful city. The NBA is played during the winter. South Beach is a lot more appealing than most northern cities. So, I bet you, if anything, like Dwayne Wade said that, now... The way his tenure his first time around it ended with Miami wasn't so great, so I don't know if he was ever at high praises of the Heat organization before they reconciled a year and a half later. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Miami's always been Dwayne Wade's basketball home. His real home, obviously, is Chicago. Mm-hmm. But I think Wade's always had you know Miami in his basketball home heart. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would say, too, um, maybe Wade kind of threw a little bit of that Miami culture with Butler at that time, but say what you want about the Bulls organization and kind of the stability with that over the last several years, but Chicago as a basketball city is one of the meccas. Um, you've got New York uh, with Rucker Park and those guys. You've got, um, what am I blanking on, uh, or KD. We just watched that documentary, Peter. Uh, KD. Oh, um, it's, it's, it's in Baltimore. Um, oh, uh, PG County. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got that. You got Seattle, who definitely deserves a team. Still sucks that the Sonics aren't there all these years later. But Chicago is one of those basketball cities where that grit. Um, I feel like Jimmy kind of going. Oh, look at me. We're, we're, we think we're best friends with these guys, <laughs> but like, um, I think Butler like going there as a young kind of developing um, into the star he is now. I think that atmosphere in Chicago. Because think about it. Like you're. Yeah, you're on the road a lot too, but you're. I think you're within that city, and there's a certain grind that that city carries with them, and really all their sports. Um, so I don't know. I think I think that's a good question though that you posed, Peter. I concur. Any final thoughts before we get to the predictions that we cannot go back on and will be known publicly forever? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> um, uh, Speak now for the older piece. <laughs> uh, you want you want any new closing thoughts, Peter? And then I'll- Deion Waiters wins everything. That's true. What, 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 what about your prediction? Oh, we're on predictions now. Yeah, we're oh, on, yeah. final thoughts, All predictions, right. anything. Um, I go Lakers in six. Um, I think LeBron is LeBron. AD is AD. Um, 
I think I think the Kobe factor, you know, you have to take that into account. And um, you know, just thinking about how crazy the year twenty twenty has been, I think it'd just be very poetic if the Lakers were to win a championship for the first time since Kobe won it back in twenty ten. Um, LeBron kind of becoming, you know, with this championship victory, becoming an all-time Laker great, AD getting his first ring, um, JR getting retribution for, obviously, <laughs> what happened back in the Cleveland Golden State Series, um, Dwight getting his first ring. I, I, there's too many storylines for me to say Miami's going to win. So I'll go Lakers in six, and I guess the MVP will probably be LeBron. I wouldn't be surprised if it was AD, but it'll probably be LeBron. I think um, kind of going off those storylines. So before I get my prediction, I will say that this is like one of the reasons I'm really excited to watch this finals. Uh, I mean, aside from this whole the whole bubble, the whole postseason, that it's been some of the best basketball I've ever I've ever watched. Um, and granted, I'm only 20 years old, so it's not like I'm speaking like for decades <laughs> of experience. But like, um, it, it's been really, really fun to watch. But I, I love Miami. Like a lot, um, but it just feel it's nice because being big on them preseason um, and seeing Tyler Hero, who I I, I love Tyler. Hero. I, I didn't think he was going to develop this quickly, and he's a star to come. Uh, mentioned Bam's exciting. Uh, Goran, if he can get his first ring, uh, mm. it would kind of do do uh, it do justice. I feel like, especially the sacrifice he made for Miami in the regular season. Um, came off the bench fifty eight times, and now is the leading scorer as a starter. So a lot of, and especially Jimmy Butler too. The dude is deserves everything in the world. His, his the story him coming from nothing, JUCO to um, fun fact he didn't make he never made a he did not make a three a single three his first year at Marquette um, was drafted I think thirtieth in the first round um, coming from all this all this adversity. I mean he deserves it. But with that being said, nah. <laughs> <laughs> that being said. I'm sticking with my preseason pick. Um, I picked the Lakers from the very beginning. Uh, it's they have, like I mentioned, the two top five talents on the same team. LeBron's one of the best to ever do it. You saw him at the end of the Denver series, not even celebrating, uh, sitting down on the court. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just get just you just get goosebumps looking at that. But uh, I think it's funny how quickly everyone kind of panicked and jumped off the Laker train the second they struggled in the bubble a little bit. Uh, like LeBron doesn't do that every single year. Uh, and I don't know. I'm staying on my pick. I'm going to go Lakers in six, but don't be surprised, I'll say, I think, if it goes seven. I, I think Miami is just too talented and just too gritty to not put up a fight, so that, that's what I'll roll with. Well, I was going to go Lakers in six, but since both of you did, I will go Lakers in five, although <laughs> if the Heat won, I wouldn't be mad at all, but I just think they're too overmatched in the series. With that... As Nicki Minaj does in Superbase, we're going to chuck up the deuces. Thank you all for listening to us today. For our final NBA postseason preview of this 2020 campaign, again, always follow us at offthewall underscore BW on social media. Hit us up if you have any ideas for content. And on that, we thank you, and we will see you later.